present the news quiz with your chairman, Simon Hoggart. Start with the cutting sent in by Chris Charlwood from Surrey, read by Brian Perkins. Warning on a four-foot inflatable Dalek, this is not a life-saving device. <laughs> Let's meet the teams. Please welcome, first on my right, Jeremy Hardy and Andy Hamilton. <laughs> to them on my left, Alan Corran and Linda Smith. <laughs> Jeremy, who suggested this week that there are lies, damned lies, and... Totality. Now, your man Blair, who's the Prime Minister, seems to be dealing in semantics. I'm not anti-semantic, I just think the Palestinians have have their own state. Well, basically, he's kind of saying, we didn't leak the name of David Kelly. All we did was confirm that it was him, having made it obvious to journalists. (laughs) As they did this not-denying strategy of saying to the press, look, we're not going to tell you that it is David Kelly... But should you read all the Ks in the phone book? (laughs) If we stop shaking our heads when you get to David Kelly, (laughs) that might mean that it's, for example, him. (laughs) And uh, people keep saying it's the end of Blair. I think he will always just be there. Even when Brown takes over, he'll be like Obi-Wan Kenobi. (laughs) (laughs) Remember the third way, Gordon. think, well, at least Thatcher had the decency to descend into drunken madness. <laughs> I thought a totality was a word new to me, and I thought, is, is, uh, is he hanging around Bush too much and come up with one of these strange words? Totality does actually exist, and it's interesting, because it means, and I have page 1,678 of the Shorter Oxford, the total obscuring yes, of something in an eclipse, total obscuration, the movement of a current's or time of duration of something which obscures. Now, isn't that good? For the hey. thing? So he's not lying, then? he's not lying. <laughs> he, he's, what I love was he did that terrible sort of phony uh, righteous thing where he says, you know, if the Hutton Inquiry calls me a liar, I will resign. Well, I can't remember any official inquiry that has ever used the word lie, because they, they, they don't do that. It'll be something like, this was inaccurate but there was no intention to mislead. <laughs> so he knows he's on a safe wicket. In the House of Commons this week, the Prime Minister said he would resign if the Hutton report showed him to have lied. His admission was greeted by jeers from the opposition benches and a long smug laugh from Gordon Brown. <laughs> Two points to Jeremy. Andy, what Marshall plans have been denounced as plain nonsense? Right, well, this is the, um, the proposal that flight should have um, sky marshals on. I just worry, I I hope they sit them in the outside seat. (laughs) What you don't want, you know, is if terrorists start to charge towards the cockpit, you don't want that dreadful... Sorry, excuse me. You just (laughs) put up your tray. And and my confidence was was further undermined by, on the news, they showed the training that the Sky Marshals go through in America, which consisted of these supposed would-be terrorists in balaclavas running and one of them shouted let's kill the pilot (laughs) as if terrorists it would be an idea that just occurred to them besides i think if people are wearing balaclavas indoors they've shown such a reckless regard for feeling the benefit when they go out (laughs) that they are clearly mad 
if surely if all passengers were armed, you could fight your way to the toilet. <laughs> and it's the fair fight. Fair fight, absolutely. Why do they take your nail clippers? I mean, who's going to go to the cockpit and say, I've got a pair of nail clippers here and I'm not afraid to oh, use them? That happened to me. My nail clippers were a victim of the war against terror. <laughs> so I had to... Oh, I was going around Mallorca with the, with the talons of a crack-on. <laughs> they are bringing in, you know, much more draconian um, rules on visas. You know, people going to have to give fingerprints and stuff. But uh, I don't know, those of you flown to America will know that you're given a little form as you come into an American airport. And one of the questions is, is the purpose of your visit to overthrow the United States? <laughs> and, Always happen. And, You'd be and surprised when... how many people have been caught out. <laughs> <laughs> British airline pilots have agreed to allow US-style sky marshals on board their planes. The measure was introduced following last week's heightened security alert over the Heathrow to Washington plane, which was grounded by the Americans after a tip-off that Jeremy Spake was on board. <laughs> Who's Jeremy Spake? The question I asked, but in fact he's the bloke in the presenter of Air. Oh, don't pretend to be highbrow, you two. <laughs> it's, isn't that dismal? He's the camp one from airport. <laughs> what kind of camp bloke would have a name like Jeremy? <laughs> Linda, why has the US spirit left the British Beagle with a tail between its legs? Oh, yes, well, this is the very sad story of, uh, of Beagle 2, our inspiringly named Mars probe. I can't help feeling really sorry for this man, Pillinger, who is the director of our space programme. He's the professor of space at the Open University. Mm. <laughs> he's He's Professor Brainstorm. He's, he got the, yeah, he's got these kind of gingery sideburns and uh, you know he's got he's just got an office in Camden really so it's sort of like Chalk Farm we have a problem it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's not fair is it really he's had he's learned all his stuff about space from a television program on at three in the morning with a man with flares and a kipper tie <laughs> and you know, not surprisingly it's all gone a bit wrong <laughs> but it's not bad for something he made in his shed I mean I've actually but, been to the shed they have a model of the universe um, the Earth is a pea and the sun is an orange, and it sort of goes round it. And the Mars, Mars is a little bean. Really? <laughs> <laughs> but is it life? I mean, they say it's life on Mars. I mean, is, there, is it Oh, Alan, life? are you in one of your depressed moods? Yeah, I am. <laughs> <laughs> what is the point of finding out if there was ever water on Mars and therefore there was ever life on Mars when they're all pebbles now? It's rather depressing, isn't it? So, yeah, so, yes, there used to be a flourishing civilization. There was an Odeon, there was an M25. There were people playing banjos, and now they're all pebbles. You don't want to know. The American one's huge, isn't it, though? Because their one contains a Starbucks and an oil derrick and everything. <laughs> and the British one, they said it was a triumph of miniaturisation, which is why they can't see it. It's <laughs> no bigger than your thumb, this wonderful thing. And the Americans are always retro rockets and airbags and this wonderful camera and everything, and the British one just had some travel suites in it. <laughs> No, if they really want to know what's happened to it, they, they should send John Redwood after it. It's about time he went back to the mothership. <laughs> well, the last hopes of contact from the British Mars mission Beagle 2 fade away. The Americans have been pleased to confirm the complete success of their rover spirit mission. For those of you who are still concerned about the fate of Beagle 2, I can tell you that just before the show, I was handed a copy of the craft's last message. It reads as follows. Oh, bugger. <laughs> Two points to Linda. Alan, listen to this. 
Sure, you don't need a question after that. Well, she told me it was Eminem. I, I, that's all. Uh, I, I don't know who they are, but um, <laughs> when I was young, Eminem were chocolate buttons. Um, Simon, ask me a question. I, of course, Guess I who's back? Be. Back with Ken. Yes, no, this is my old friend, the Newt Fancier from Crickwood, who is now back in the fold. And Tony Blair, having said he would be a disaster, has embraced him within the greater disaster of the Labour Party, and, and Ken is going to be Prime Minister next time round. <laughs> Yes, two points. Thank you. <laughs> but the fun of that story, of course, was that uh, although... Oh, thanks for that, Andy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, sure yeah. I'm sure there's a laugh or two there. <laughs> yeah. If you haven't been so All right, I'll rephrase that so there's an edit. <laughs> well, following on from that very funny thing Alan just said... <laughs> No, it was, it, it was a great story to follow because um, it enraged John Prescott, the, the re-acceptance of Ken Livingstone. And I heard it may only have been gossip, but I heard that John Prescott was so angry, he turned coherent. <laughs> yeah, I think he's getting very, very bad advice Dangerous, now, though, yeah. Blair, now that, that Mandelson has gone and Campbell's gone, because someone needs to take him to one side and tell him mm-hmm. not to use the word guy. Because <laughs> he did it again. He said, I mean, you know, the guy's done a good job. And um, he just sounds like a complete. <laughs> That's great. The audience will actually put that word in for you. Ken Livingstone has been welcomed back to Labour 18 months before the official end of his five year ban from the party so he can stand as Labour's London mayoral candidate. This is the Cabinet's first ever full U-turn, and it wouldn't have happened at all if Margaret Beckett hadn't realised she'd been holding the map upside down. (laughs) We start round two with a cutting from the Ballyhoo Examiner. A photograph on page seven of Wednesday's Ballyhoo Examiner was captioned Saddam Hussein caught like a rat. It should, in fact, have read Santa Claus and young Chloe Cregan at the grotto in the Bishop (laughs) Paul That didn't go through the spell checker, did it? <laughs> Thanks to Nick Thompson for sending that in. Jeremy, who will be saying you can't park there, mate? All turn right, all do a U-turn, all go down there. The government has decided that all traffic wardens should be armed. <laughs> and ride in the car with you. Um, yeah, traffic wardens are going to be given special new powers. Mm. They are to make all manner of judgments about our driving skills. I think, that, yeah, didn't they do research and they discovered that traffic wardens weren't unpopular enough? Yeah. <laughs> yeah when, when, a, when a van has, how am I driving, on the back, the warden turns around and says, like a bastard! <laughs> Plans to give traffic wardens powers to impose fines for driving as well as parking were unveiled this week in the government's traffic management bill. Under the bill, local authorities will have to take more responsibility for safety on the roads, such as jamming radio signals during you and yours to prevent drivers falling asleep on the motorway. (laughs) 
Thank God they don't do anti-news quiz jokes on you and your <laughs> No one would hear them if they did. <laughs> I still don't know. And it's been making jokes about this about 15 years, Simon. I still don't know what you and yours is. <laughs> when is it on? All it's the on time. most of the day. <laughs> With when... small breaks for Moneybox Live, who are the worst band I've ever heard. <laughs> Was it my turn to slag off another show? <laughs> Andy, whose hopes have been fired up by a new line of inquiry? Whose hopes have been fired up by... This isn't Princess Diana, is it? <laughs> of course it is. <laughs> what a great question, I'll Andy. Fired I'll fire it up. I'll fire it up. You three are hugging yourselves that I've got this, aren't you? OK, I'll give it to Andy, Princess Diana. Watch, watch this. Watch him dig a big grave for himself. <laughs> right. OK, edit. <laughs> Actually, I, I... I wouldn't work hard at this. This question is never going to get no, through no, to Friday yeah, night. Exactly. <laughs> all, all I'll say on this is that, you know, previously I hadn't subscribed to the conspiracy theories, but uh, I have to say I've changed my mind, because when you look at the facts, we're, you know, rather curious facts uh, around the accident, and then... You know, if you go down that road of just asking yourself who stood to benefit the most from her death, then, then obviously um, you realise that the person behind it was Paul Burrell. Uh, <laughs> in cahoots with the florist industry, possibly. <laughs> and maybe Nicholas Witchell. <laughs> and you might think my conspiracy theory is absurd, but is it any more absurd than thinking that an assassin... If you were an assassin, it's an unusual beginning to a sentence, but... <laughs> if you were an assassin and you had to kill somebody in a Mercedes, would you go after them in a Fiat Uno? <laughs> this week, an inquest into the death of Diana opened... Prince Charles' relationship with the press has been greatly soured over the past few months. It's a shame he always enjoyed talking to the papers, though at an earlier stage, when they're so trees. <laughs> Linda, listen to this. This is a man's word. But it wouldn't be nothing, nothing, without a woman or a Linda, who's trying to ensure that only the men get to wear the dresses? Is this ladyboy archbishops? Yes. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Two points. Alan. <laughs> Is that an official clerical post, ladyboy archbishops? <laughs> well, it's basically this idea that the Church of England had that if you can't sort of reconcile people who do want women archbishops and, women and people who don't, then perhaps they should be, you should have a sort of apartheid system yeah. mm -hmm. where they're sort of separate and you'd have one church with all male archbishops and another church with all women archbishops and then something in the middle for those who can't decide. <laughs> Is it something like that? Or it's one of their schemes, isn't it? One of their little japes. <laughs> yes, a draft report on the consecration of women bishops has proposed the creation of a third province, an all-male church within a church for traditionalists. Isn't that called Madame Jojo's? <laughs> Alan, where are the animals out for the count? There are these two very small frogs that are no longer with us. They were tiny, the size of your thumb, and they've gone. Uh, it's because it's getting warm. 
But as a result, as I understand it, of global warming or chimneys or whatever, millions of species are just dying. They're dropping out of the trees because it's too warm. I don't see, not being a biologist, why a little bit of global warming makes that much difference to these species. Is the wrong answer. <laughs> it's not about the count well, You go of the home zoo. with £32,000, Alan. I think you're right what you just said. There is a, they are right, counting no, animals at the zoo. Exactly. Doing, well, I did that. That was lost in there somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) There are practically no animals at the zoo, of course. It's very easy to get only three. If you go to the zoo and you go to the elephant house, they have a big sign up saying there are no elephants here. They're all going to Whipsnade. There are no tigers. There are no lions. Everything big is gone. London Zoo has about three insects and a snake. (laughs) Because it's um, zoologically incorrect to keep these large animals. So they're counting them at London Zoo, but it's an easy job. There's a bloke there with a clipboard. So have we still got the monkey? Yes, we've still got the monkey. We'll send it to Whipsnade. It's like a census. What? Like a census, is it? Uh, they just... What, what? Senseless, do you? Senseless. Well, it is absolutely senseless. There's no point counting it. <laughs> well, the more important question is about all these millions of buggers who are dying. Yeah, There's no what's in a zoo. Yeah. What frightens me is, I mean, as I understand it, it's the, the animals in, in the warm countries that face the threat of extinction. And, of course, they won't just die out overnight. What animals do when the temperature gets too hot is they start to migrate towards somewhere where it's a bit cooler. Now, I've got this nightmare vision of the Channel Tunnel just full of thousands of wildebeest coming, <laughs> coming our way. And I don't think the new security measures will be able to handle all that. But well, there was a story this story. week about the Norwegian robin. Did you see that? Oh, yeah. yes. It's a great story. The Norwegian robin, an extremely rare bird. Uh, rare and now. it flew over here and it was observed by a man from the Ornithological Trust, and he was so excited, he ran to the telephone, and when he looked and said, there's a Norwegian robin landed on the lawn, and when he put the phone down and came out again, his cat had eaten it. (laughs) So, I mean, who do you trust? (laughs) It's the annual stock take at London Zoo in which plucky zookeepers must count up every animal in the zoo's stock. The zoo has over 9,000 invertebrates, or spineless animals. Not that impressive when you consider Tony Blair's got 300 of them on his back bench. <laughs> Before we start the final round, here's an internal memo from Islington County Council. Dear colleagues, our improvements have been noticed and rewarded. The results of the comprehensive performance assessment has moved us up a level. We are one of only a few councils in the country to move out of the poor category. We are now officially weak. <laughs> Thanks to my peacock of Hailing Island for that. Jeremy, listen to this. I talk to the trees, but they don't listen to me. I talk to the stars, but they never hear me. The breeze hasn't time to stop. And hear what I say I talk to them all Just to break the deadlock, I'll give a bonus point to whoever can guess who was singing that. Clint Eastwood in Paint Your Wagon. Brilliant. Yep. See? Absolutely. (laughs) Brilliant. So, Jeremy, Hmm. no camp person called Jeremy then. (laughs) (laughs) I take, know, a, somewhat I take arcane a knowledge very of rugged knowledge hmm. of music. He just knows a lot of show tunes. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy, who can't meditate in the woods for the trees? Oh, this is sad. This man, a meditator, he bought a bit of word to go and meditate in. And the council or somebody said he couldn't because that wasn't the use of it. 
the use of it was woodland. <laughs> and you're supposed to just, you're supposed to slap your thighs and fire arrows and go, ha, 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 <laughs> in woodland. He's a Buddhist, and uh, Marx said that religion is the opiate of the people, but Buddhism is sort of the alcohol, because it makes you say really stupid things over and over and over again. <laughs> you have to sit cross-legged going, oh, I really love you. <laughs> You're my best friend. But, um, but the woodland police, the new wood marshals, <laughs> came in with their arrows and their pikes and stopped him from meditating because they thought it was a dirty thing. <laughs> exactly right. 51-year-old Edward James, a Buddhist from Essex, has been told he needs planning permission before he can meditate in woodland, which he owns after an objection was lodged with the council. Mr. James must now get planning permission for a change in use from woodland to meditative woodland. <laughs> On a similar basis, Hampstead Heath is to change its name to Hampstead Sex Club. <laughs> Blackpool Beach will be a sewage removal facility. And a five-mile zone round Sellafield is to be redesignated a microwave oven. <laughs> Andy, which quick hitch turned out to be a slip knot? Oh, well, this is... Oh, sorry, we've all done it. I don't want to get on my high horse about this. I mean, we've all done it. When you're young, you go out, you have a few drinks, get a bit carried away, wake up, you've married Britney Spears. <laughs> just embarrassing, humiliating, but, you know, it's just a, a bit of fun. The only question mark, I think it's rather sort of disrespectful to the institution of marriage that, that Britney Spears and, and her sort of school friend chum should marry and then be allowed to annul the marriage, I think, 18 hours afterwards, whatever it was. I, th I think that is taking marriage too lightly. I think they should be made to live a life of misery. Uh, <laughs> it's the shortest marriage, isn't it? Apart from Jean-Jacques Gabor, who was married to someone for nine hours, I think it was. And I met Jean-Jacques Gabor once, and I spent 15 minutes uh, talking to her. And I'm amazed anyone was married to her for nine hours. <laughs> for the ceremony, Brittany wore a baseball cap and jeans, while Mr Alexander wore a loose-fitting leisure suit and baggy shorts. Many of our listeners in Liverpool will be wondering why they decided to go for a formal do. <laughs> but... Linda, which archaeologist should have dug a little deeper? Ah, now this is the fantastic story of this archaeological find in someone's back garden. A woman uncovered a series of sort of ancient stones in her back garden, brought in a team of archaeologists, dug it all out, and said, yes, you know, this is a very, very important find. Uh, we think it's a Viking village. Turns out it was a patio. <laughs> Not a Viking patio, either. <laughs> Funny enough, uh, they felt that it was a Viking village because it was near the beach. No, it was a patio because it was there. It was handy for barbecues. That's, <laughs> that's what was there. So it's this classic thing archaeologists do. They find a bit of grouting, and they decide that that must then prove the existence of the lost city of Atlantis or something. <laughs> and they, they said, we thought it, we started to realise it might be a little bit after the Vikings when we found the gas mask. Is what they said. There were that no was, horns on the gas was, mask. Was, yeah. <laughs> if they'd seen the film, they'd have known that Kirk Douglas is burnt in a Viking longboat and not marinated and thrown onto charcoal. <laughs> the patio dated from 1945, didn't it? Because they said that patios were very popular in 1945. It's not my image of the sort of post-war atmosphere. Right, that's it, we're dealt with. Now we can have that Barbie. Bill. <laughs>
archaeologists who identified a collection of flat stones as the remains of a Viking settlement were left red-faced after months of excavation revealed the rocks were nothing more than a patio. Teams' hopes had soared as they unearthed the remnants of a clay statue of an ancient, bearded figure, then sank again as they unearthed his red pointy hat, fishing rod, and the mushroom he <laughs> Alan, your last question. Which stupid shunt put a dent in his neighbour's Christmas? I know. Two points. <laughs> Linda is making the sign of a humber vogue, turning up a, a small crescent. Oh, Jeremy, Jeremy now it Broke in Bradford, uh, driving a Range Rover. Because if you live in a cul-de-sac in Bradford, Range Rover is your ideal car, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I, people who drive those sort of size cars... I haven't done a lot of research into the Range Rover. I've really only scratched the surface. <laughs> One of these people... One of these people driving the car the size of a hovercraft, doubtlessly with no children... And he was drunk, and he was, in mitigation, he said he was trying to get cassettes out, and his foot got stuck between the brake and the accelerator. And that was his defence. And wrote off 11 cars, was it? Uh, yeah, 11. Yeah, that's the answer. Two points to me, we can go now. <laughs> A driver who feared his neighbours might damage his Range Rover hit 11 of his neighbours' cars, causing £150,000 worth of damage. He said he'd panicked after knocking his automatic vehicle into reverse while reaching for a cassette and discovering, as he pulled it out, that it was Simon Hoggart's pick of the news quiz. <laughs> Available in all good records and bookstores. <laughs> Before we reveal the final scores, let's hear the cuttings the teams have brought along. Jeremy. This was sent in by Andrew Berry, and it's from the Rotherham Record. It's an advert. It says, RSPCA spaying, neutering, vaccinations clinic for people on benefit only. <laughs> Andy. This is from Bill Kirby, and it's an interesting listing from the Blackwell's Bookshop online catalogue. Hard Guide to the Birds of New Zealand by Hugh Robertson, published by OUP, available for sale in UK, USA, Ireland, Canada, Australia, South Africa, not available for sale in New Zealand. <laughs> Linda. Oh, this was sent in by Mrs Doris Debney of Kidderminster, Worcester. Um, it's from the What's On TV magazine. 11 till 11.30pm, The Incredible Journey. This week, David Hempelman Adams, who has walked solo to the North and South Poles, attempts to travel across the Midlands by public transport. <laughs> well, thank you, Simon. Several weeks have passed since the opening of the German cannibal trial... And it still hasn't appeared on the news quiz. So I thought the only chance is a cutting. And from the Sun on Tuesday, when asked by the prosecution whether there was anybody who would not eat, Armin Melwood replied, I think I would draw the line at asthmatics. <laughs> <laughs> Let's look at the final score. Linda and Alan have a creditable 13, but Jeremy and Andy, runaway winners this week with 19 points. Oh, <laughs> And before we leave you, here's an item from the Shuttle Times and News competition page. To begin with a chance of winning, all you have to do is answer the following question. Where is PC World in Kidderminster? <laughs> Send your entries to PC World, Crossley Retail Park, Kidderminster. <laughs> Goodbye.
Taking part in the news quiz were Jeremy Hardy, Andy Hamilton, Linda Smith and Alan Corrin. The chairman was Simon Hoggart and the news was read by me, Brian Perkins. The chairman's script was written by George Poles, Simon Littlefield and Lucy Clark. And the producer was Simon Nichols.